Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. When they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. This is the gospel of the Lord. If you ever thumb through the hymnal, especially the liturgical section where you have all of our services in the front, you might have noticed a few of the headers are not in English. They are, for the most part, in the language of Latin. Latin was the language of the church for the better part of two millennia, and the Reformation came and finally said, well, we should switch the language to whatever the people are speaking in the church service so they actually understand what's going on. Ronnie might know Latin, but the rest of us don't, and we'd be out of luck if uh, we were still in Latin here. Well, one of the things in Latin uh, is not in Latin, though, and that is the Kyrie, okay? You might notice that towards the beginning of the service, we have this word. It says Kyrie at the top, and then it says, Lord, have mercy. And that is from the Greek word, Lord. Kyrie means Lord in Greek, and eleison is have mercy. Now, it's one of many parts of the service, of course, the Kyrie, but it's appropriate at the beginning. The service has this flow to it that we've talked about before, right? You come to church, and the first thing that we do after the opening hymn is we confess our sins. We come and say, God, I'm a horrible person, in so many words, and I need you to forgive me. And God's messenger, the pastor, announces that God does forgive us and that we can then get along with the rest of the service and indeed the rest of our lives and the week. And also after that, you have the theme of the day, right after the confession and absolution announced in the introit, those verses from the psalm that we read responsively. And then comes right after that, the Kyrie, Lord, have mercy. We cry out in that very brief portion of the service, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. We cry out to the Lord asking him for help. It's as simple as that. We have nothing before God, we are nothing, and we can do nothing in and of ourselves, and we need his help. And so after having been absolved, we receive that help, or rather ask for it. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. Nowadays, if you were to meet a ruler... Okay, a president or a governor, a senator, or some sort of big head honcho of that sort. Most people, especially younger people, are going to do what? They're going to pull out their phones and take a selfie with him. Okay? I can't picture Roy Custer taking a selfie, but maybe Roy would do it too. You should try it sometime, Roy. No. I'm going to take a selfie, but not too long ago, if you met a ruler, you're not going to think about getting a picture with him, but you are going to do your best to get some help from him, okay? You have a problem, you need a fix for that, and who can do it but the guy with some real juice, some real muscle in the world? If it's a king, if it's a prince, if it's a duke, or it's a baron, and he's coming to town, traveling probably many miles and many days worth, and he's there in front of you, 
That's a golden opportunity, and you don't want to miss it. You want to take advantage of it, right? That famous pitcher for the Astros, Wayne Gretzky, said you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Something like that. I know he played sports. Well, thus with the Kyrie, if you are back then living, you're hungry, you ask him for food. If you need some money, ask him for money. What's he going to do? Say no, and you're left with, well, what you had in the beginning. If you need mercy from him, clemency for yourself or someone else, you ask him for mercy. But whatever you do, you at least ask. You speak up. You say, Lord, have mercy. And this happened to the real Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, during his ministry, didn't it? So many of the healing miracles of Jesus begin with some form of someone just interrupting everybody or yelling out above the crowd, Lord, have mercy. Lord, help me. I can't fix this myself. I need you. And you can't blame them, can you? Maybe you'd be a little annoyed if you were standing next to them and they're shouting in your ear, but if it were you and you had the problem and Jesus Christ was right in front of you, would you not do the very same? Would you not ask him for help? Would you not plead with him to fix what you have? The people then in the ministry knew who he was. They knew what he could do. So what did they have to lose by crying out to him for help? And if you think about it, really do think about it for a second. The people that we are told didn't get any help from Jesus, or at least implicitly didn't get any help from Jesus, are those that didn't ask. We often talk about the people who missed the miracles because they weren't there that day or they were just in the town over when he came through. But imagine the person who was ill or injured listening to him, watching him, and they themselves didn't speak up, didn't cry out, Lord have mercy, when they had the opportunity. Indeed, they should have done. But thus it was throughout his ministry and Thus it was, people crying out for mercy for the Lord's help as it reached the climax of that ministry as he entered Holy Week riding into Jerusalem. In Zechariah 9 from the Old Testament, we hear the prophecy about that day where Jesus rode into town. The prophet says, Behold, your king is coming to you righteous, and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey and a colt, the foal of a donkey. And just like David's lesser son Solomon had centuries before, David's greater son now rides into town to be crowned as king triumphantly. And he is greeted by all of the people, honoring him, praising him, laying down their cloaks and their palm branches on the way, shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. And Hosanna, a Hebrew word, also in our liturgy, which means Lord save us crying out to their king for help. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Like all the other people during our Lord's ministry, this crowd that met Jesus at the gates of Jerusalem, they got it. They understood it. If the king was good, if the king was right there in front of you, having come to your town, you'd be foolish not to shout, help me, save me, Lord, have mercy. A lot of us, especially the younger generations, learned in school, or at least I've talked to other people that had the same illustration given to us by a teacher. It was in civics class. Well, what's the best form of government? And the students are all supposed to come up with something. And a lot of us, you know, put down on the paper or raised our hand and said, democracy or republic or whatever, because we knew that that's what was going to be the right answer in the end. But I remember the teacher that taught me this saying, no, the best form of government is a benevolent dictatorship. 
taken aback by that. A benevolent dictatorship. Well, dictatorships are bad, right? They just tell people what to do all the time. They're tyrants. They're despots. Well, I said, no. A dictatorship, if you think about it, if the guy's good, like actually a good person and cares about the people, he's going to cut through the red tape, get good things done, and there's not going to be a lot of stuff getting hung up in various houses and parliaments and congresses, right? Now, then the next twist, of course, is that, well, nobody's good. It's sort of a lesson on original sin. There's maybe a benevolent dictatorship in heaven, or actually not maybe there is, but certainly not in this fallen world. We are all sinners. With earthly, ruler, earthly rulers, there is a point. Can't be done. But it's not true with God and our King Jesus. You see, he is indeed the benevolent dictator, the good autocrat who rules for the sake of his subjects, for the sake of his people. And so for that reason, wherever and whenever Jesus is coming, it is a very good thing for his loyal and devoted subjects. Whenever folks needed something in the Gospels and asked for it, he gave it to them. And finally, at the culmination of his Holy Week in Jerusalem, he gave the greatest thing, eternal salvation itself, pouring out his blood as an atonement for sins. Advent is the season where we mark for four weeks the coming of Christ, our King and our Lord. He comes, of course, as we'll celebrate in four short weeks in the Incarnation, where he was born of the woman in a stable in Bethlehem. He comes, even here and now, as we are gathered together in this church to receive his word and his sacrament. And he will come again in glory on the clouds, great power and might. It is mercy that Jesus comes and brings to his children. Mercy then, mercy now, and mercy in the future when he comes once and for all. He offers provisions for this life, yes, the daily bread that we need and the fix to all of our troubles according to his good measure. He also gives us joy and peace in our consciences that we are not troubled or alarmed by our sins anymore. But the greatest thing of all that he does give us is this promise that because we have believed in him, we have forgiveness, life, and salvation forever. So dear Christians, today and every day, every day of your life, not just the church, every day of your life, cry out to your benevolent dictator, your master, your Lord and King, Lord have mercy. Hosanna to the son of David, have mercy in the highest, because he comes to show you mercy, and he comes to save you. Amen.